Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talk and Toffees with me, Peter, and co-host Andy. In this week's episode, we will be taking a look back at our opening day win at Spurs. We'll be looking at our 3-0 win over Salford, as well as looking ahead to our next couple of matches against West Brom and Fleetwood Town. So Andy, if we start with the opening game of the season away at Spurs, Tottenham nil Everton won. I've got to hold my hand up here. I mean, I question whether we would be fit enough to win this one, given the the lack of friendlies that we had. Um, and also, I question whether we were actually good enough to go there and take all three points. I mean, not only did we win the game, but we were ab- we absolutely controlled the game. I'll give you, you do, Andy, you did predict 2-0 and you weren't far away, given the, the missed chances that, that, that we had. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought it was thought it was brilliant compared to what we were having to to put up with uh, for most of last season. Um, just thought that we looked a completely different team. We had a lot of energy. We we pressed. We we done well with the ball. We played with freedom, and I, I felt that we played with a lot of belief that we could actually go and win the game. Uh, you know, a lot of the time watching Everton, you know, must feel that we're, we're in the game and we're trying not to lose or we're trying not to concede. Uh, but I felt that. You know, we, we did believe that we could win that game and, you know, we showed, I thought, when we went 1-0 up as well, you know, we controlled the game and, and we put it to bed, really. Um, you know, really good performance by Jordan Pickford as well. So, I know on another day, um, it could have been a different scoreline, but I thought we were brilliant overall. Yeah, spot on. I, I, I couldn't get over um, after the game. It took me a while to, for it to sink in, just how well we played. It was like... Night and day, when you consider the, the the last game of Tottenham, where we, we were shambolic, it was it was so refreshing to see such a contrast. I mean, all three new signings started this one. I don't think anybody expected us to start all three of them and, and go four three three. I mean, admittedly, when we were on the not the back foot, but when we were having to defend Richarlison and Hammers would drop back, so it was more of a four five one. But in the main, you know, we were pretty much not only in control, but, but positive. I mean, there was three solid debuts there from Decore, Hammers and Allen. Any one of them, and they could have been given man of the match. What did you make of the debuts? Were you surprised as me to see them all starting? was a little bit, yeah. I thought I mean, one or two of them might have started. Um, but I was a little bit surprised, but excited when I seen the, the starting lineup. I just thought, considering... The situation, I was just delighted with like the, the performances from them, the fitness levels, um, just the, the performances in, in general. They all brought their their skills and attributes to, to the you know during the game that that we signed them for, and we could see firsthand you know, and these are only going to get better with more fitness, more match practice under them, uh, get used to be, you know playing with each other, and it, it was a, it was a promise to start. Obviously, you don't want to get too carried away, um, but it was there was enough there to get excited, you know, for what we're building at Everton. Um, I thought Alan was brilliant. I thought thought that first he had a little bit of a ropey start to give the ball away a few times, but I think that's that that could be quite harsh, given his whole performance over the ninety minutes. I thought he was outstanding. He just like, yeah, I think that's a bit harsh. I mean, I thought he was brilliant. It was, no, it was, it was only the first first. First ten minutes, he, he gave the ball away a few times. He looked a little bit nervous starting the game, but he, he grew into it and he, he dominated the their players. Didn't want to know. It was like a little gnat just constantly at them. Every time the ball, yeah, every time the ball came sweet, he was there. 
And um, I just felt it, it, it gave the defence, it gave the two lads centre-half, I think it gave them a lot of confidence as well, and we looked a lot more solid at the back. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just seeing us push on now. Yeah, and the, I mean, Alan was superb, and, you know, in the previous episodes, we've discussed how good we think the three lads can be. Well, in particular, the core and Alan in the middle there. Hand on heart, did you believe going into this one before the ball was kicked that Everton had the midfield to go to Tottenham away from home and pretty much control the entirety of the game? Did you think that was possible? No, not with when you think of they've just signed Hoiberg as well, a player that we were, well, you know, it, it was out there that we were after them. Um, and I thought with them having more of a pre season, um, you know, I thought that they would dominate that midfield area, especially if we didn't play our new players, which I thought we would. But it was such a surprise to, to watch the game, and it, it was really enjoyable to watch Everton again. Um, yeah, I, I just felt that their midfield didn't want to know. They, they look they look tired and jaded, but you know, I, I put a lot that lot of that down to our performance. Um, you know, the way we were dictating the play, we were keeping the ball, possession, making them move, making them run. And, you know, and we exploited some of the weaknesses and I, I put it down to our performance rather than, you know, Tottenham went on the game. Yeah, you're spot on there, Andy. We did make them do a lot of running. And the key word in what you said there was enjoy. I think for most Evertonians, we were all going into the match anyway with a buzz because of the sirens. But, you know, when, the, when we kicked off that game, it didn't take long for us to just start enjoying Everton again. Uh, and it was incredible. Uh, you know, me me and Phil in particular, not so much yourself, but me and Phil on the podcast, were quite guarded going into this one because of our fitness and how far we felt we would have to come to, to get to the level of Spurs. And there we were in the opening day, making Spurs chase shadows. And we made them look ordinary. And, you know, you look back and you think, well, they had Harry Kane playing, Lucas Moira, Son... Hoiberg, Deli Ali, you know, all throughout the team, it was pretty much Spurs' best side. And for Everton to go there without having the pre-season friendly, with all the, the new players together, we haven't, you know, played a single match with all the new lads, to go there and control it, as much as it was comfortable and controlling, as Evertonians, it was so enjoyable. And I suppose really wanted to ask you now, when Richarlison goes through in the first half, one-on-one, what are you thinking when he misses that? Are you in the mindset that you know you, you should criticise him because he, you know he's rounded the keeper, open goal, or do you look at it and go, well, you know, give the lad credit. He, there was nothing on for him. He's chased down a hopeless pass. It ended up being a great chance which he created. Did you think it was going to be one of those days when he missed that? Were you critical that he missed that, or did you think, hold on, this is, the signs are here that we can go on and win this game? I think from experience, uh, I, I think I thought at the time, you know, we, we can't squander chances like that again in, in games like this. We, we've done it too often over the years, especially away against the, well, the so-called big six, if you like. Um, we've done it too often and, and and give points away when games were there to be, you know, to be taken and points were there to be taken. But I, I felt that when he went through there, I thought there's definitely a gap. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, a weakness in their team, um, and I didn't. I just felt from the first 
you know, the first half of the game, they had a bit of a lively start with Son down the left side and thought Coleman was brilliant. Um, I think he handled them really well. But other than that, they never really brought, you know, they had a few chances there and there, but nothing consistent throughout the game. But I just felt that the win was there if we wanted it. But I felt that so many times over the last few years and we've, we've squandered that chance and, you know, we've gone behind or we haven't been able to capitalise on on certain one-on-ones. So when he did miss it, I was thinking, oh, it's not going to be one of them, is it? But but it, it wasn't. You know, we, we kept on, you know, plugging away and, and we showed them that we were the better team on the day. I think yeah. a few... Yeah, I agree. I think a few more friendlies on the, the Charleston scores that... I, don't, I know it's like my favourite topic, like a friendly matches. And listen, I hold my hand up because that's twice now. After lockdown with Liverpool at home and then the Tottenham game, I've had the same worry about lack of fitness. And from now on, I think I'll just trust Carlo and keep my mouth shut because I thought the fitness levels were, were, were brilliant. But I still think there was a, a lack of sharpness in the sense that I think Richarlison, 10 games in, would have buried that. And there was a couple in the second half that he just put around the post. Thought he played really well, don't get me wrong. And I am of the mindset that, you know, I would give him credit. He chased the ball down. He, he done all the hard tasks within that move in, in getting the ball, bearing down on goal, step round the goalkeeper, step round the world-class goalkeeper, left him for dead. And the, the, the angle was too narrow. And yeah, a sharper a Charleston scores and all squares to tell him. I, th- I, think, I think Phil touched on that last week on, on the podcast. He was saying about when he used to play and he, it took five or six games for players to get a sharpness back. I think that was the, just the situation there. I think you're right. It, it was just come down to composure. At the end of the day, and I think you know, a few games in, I, th- I think he's got that composure back. Um, but I'm not going to w- worry about it. He's already showed that he- he's a fantastic goal scorer, and you know, Brazil thinks so as well, and that's why he's in the squad. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's going to, if he gets the chances, which I'm sure he will, he's he's going to put plenty away this season. Yeah, it's funny you said that when Richarlison missed that Phil's words to Deco right away, it made me think of. You know, the lack of friendlies and, you know, yeah, a sharp Richarlison buries that. And look, you know, overall, it was a fantastic display by him. He had everything apart from the finish. And, and I think it's a guarantee. It's almost a guarantee with him that the goals will come. Um, I, I do think he, he will be a special player. Um, I said this year at the time, and I thought it was a testament to Everton. I mean, in terms of, what Jose Mourinho done. This is a man that's never lost an opening Premier League match in his career up until Everton. He he took Deli Alley off for half time to try and change that midfield. He brought in, in Don Bellay on and I think later on in the game he brought on another lad who began to the W. Um forgive me, I can't I can't pronounce the name. And Mourinho seemed to spend most of the game trying to get to grips with Everton's midfield. And I think that in itself is an indication of how well Everton played because, okay, he didn't have anything to work off from the sense that we put a midfield together that haven't played together before. So there was there was no time to sort of do any scouting on them. But by the same token, our midfield, you know, if the result didn't go our way, you would say, well, our midfield haven't had a chance to gel. But for Everton to click the way they did, I just thought that's probably the biggest testament to see Mourinho scrambling on the touchline trying to get a grip of the midfield. I actually thought they stood off a lot and Mourinho was critical of his own team about the lack of pressing. But by the same token, I take what, what you said on board and I think there's a lot of truth in that. Everton made them do a lot of running just by keeping the ball 
and it's something we haven't done in a, in a long time. So, yeah, overall, it, it was so impressive, but in particular, the midfield. And if that's what's to come, Everton are going to have a really, really exciting season. But, you know, like you said before, there's a long way to go. Other than the, the midfield, and the, was there anybody else in particular who stood out for you against Tottenham? I thought everyone was brilliant, but um, you know, I think obviously Pickford had a good go- um, good game and goal. But Hamas uh, Rodriguez, it was just every time he got the ball, I was just waiting for something to happen. I was I was watching it next to me, misses on the couch, and I kept on knocking and saying, "Yeah, look, <laughs> watch, watch this, watch this." Like before anything had happened, do you know? I bet I mean? you enjoyed that. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but yeah, it's just every time he got the ball, it, it was. I just felt like something was going to happen, and some of his, his flares, his touches, his balls out wide to to Lucas Digny left back. It, it was just um, something that's been missing from our squad, and he just looked that step above everyone else, even though everyone else played brilliant. He just had yeah. that class about him, and that I don't know, he looked, made it look effortless. Um, and, and I'm excited to to see what he can bring this season. Hopefully, he can stay fit, which I'm, I'm sure he will. Um, you said that on the on the phone, Andy. Um, sorry to interrupt, but you said on the phone when we were talking about the game afterwards, and you, it was a nail on the head about Hammers. And when you look at him, you, you can't sort of describe it, but you just look at him and go, "He's got it. He, he he's he's something else." And I, I think that's probably the best way of, of sort of trying to describe him. In that, yeah, there's a lot of eight out of tens, nine out of tens. On the pitch, but when Hammers got the ball, his first touch, his pass, his movement, his his vision, the amount of times he caught Tottenham open. I mean, he wasn't even he got about the pace in the Premier League. He was half the time he was on a standing or jogging position, and he was just cutting them open with his passes. He was he was fantastic. I, I think you're dead right. That 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 diagonal he played for Richardson with Richardson Mr. Edder, That was just the, the vision at that. It just unlock a team with one pass. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think we've had a player like that who's been able to do that to that extent for, for a while. Yeah, I think as well with those chances, I think it's going to take Lewin and Richarlison a bit of time to realise what we've got now in terms of creativity. They're, they're used to feeding on scraps, whereas now that ball in, Richarlison, the way he headed it, you could tell he wasn't expecting it. Probably thinks the lad's got a header clear, but he's probably also not expecting to be picked out that well from so far out and they need to get used to that I remember a long time ago when Everton had Peter Beardsley and it's like oh Peter yeah Peter Beardsley uh, and it was like there was a lot of his passes Everton didn't have their players intelligence enough to read it this lad don't get me wrong this lad I think on a different level to him but the point is is our forwards have now got to realise the calibre of play we have that can create these chances for him Um. You touched on Pickford there, and I do think we need to highlight him because we've both been critical of him, and rightly so. But hats off to him for this one. I think it was a very solid and commanding performance. Two big saves in the first half. Um, late on in the game, OK, there was not an awful lot to do, but when balls were coming in the in the box in the past, you'd be a bit concerned as to Pickford you know, commanding his area. But I thought his punches in particular were excellent. Every punch cleared the area. Look, he wasn't massively overweight, but you know, overall, he just seemed to have a calmer and more composed persona about himself. And 
I hope after everything we've said and I'm the first to say I'd like a new goalkeeper. I don't think that will happen now. I hope this is the start for him, that new season, first game, clean sheet. I hope we start to see a turnaround because whilst he didn't have a lot to do, you know, if he doesn't make those saves, it's a completely different story. You know, so what he did have to do, I thought he was he was excellent in that regard. Um and it gives us confidence, doesn't it, Andy, that you know, maybe although it's one game, maybe the goalkeeping position might not be the, the worry that, that we, we fear it could be. Yeah, I, I just felt I felt a massive improvement in his not not just his overall game, you know, his his shot stopping and <clears throat> his handling, his punching, what you're saying there, but his professionalism. Definitely stood out to me. I felt that he, he was he was more commander, and you know when he when he was on to make these saves, he was letting the defenders know the professional way, you know what what he needs him to do, and 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 um, he showed good leadership. I, I I found, and that was just as impressive for me um, because it could have easily gone the other way and sort of spat his dummy out, which uh, a way that I thought he would have went, considering what we've seen back in the last season, and we have seen throughout, you know. His Everton career, but yeah, fair play to him. He had a he had a great game, and hopefully, uh, you know, kept his place in the England squad. Hopefully, he can um, start afresh if you like uh, moving forward. Because the back end of last season, he looked ropey. Yeah, I um, think you're being I think you're being kind saying ropey, but <laughs> you know, it is a new season and it? it's a fresh start for everyone. And Chelsea's first full season, and, and I don't think he could have got off to a better start for him. And look. We've been critical, and we both said, well, and me in particular, well, uh, of wanted another goalkeeper come in, but there's nothing better than when someone's at the club and it turns around for them. I'd rather Pickford's form turn around and he become the, the player that we've all felt he, he's got the potential to be, rather than sign a new goalie. But I just I haven't thought that was going to happen, and it is only one game. But if he if he continues with that maturity. The lack of nonsense and the, the silly tongue sticking out. You know, the, a proper goalkeeper composed and, and commanding his, his area like he did against Tottenham. Then, then yeah, you know, we, we might not have an issue. So, fingers crossed that Pickford's in the corner. There was another player you mentioned earlier, and I want to highlight him as well, and that's Seamus Coleman. Um, I think because of his age now, his position is always under scrutiny and... You know, myself included, I do think we need any right back. But early doors in this game, Jose Mourinho's instructions were so obvious to anybody watching the game. It was get her up early to Sun, and he pushed Sun on Coleman. And the first five, ten minutes, you saw the same diagonal or the same long ball up to Sun on Coleman, and you're thinking, how's the lad going to cope? First game of season up against Sun, who's obviously got pace, but. You know, we Coleman was excellent. It was a solid display, and I think what he's showing is whether Everton bring in a new right back or not, that he's he's not ready to give up that right back spot. You know, so I just want to say from my point of view, I do. I thought he was excellent, and you know, obviously everyone was talking about the midfield and Hammers, but Pickford and Coleman in particular. I mean, look, they were all they were they were all at least eight out of ten in performance, but. Those two in particular, um, they've been under scrutiny for different reasons, and I do at all bottom played really well. And if we move on to the goal itself, it was a superb ball in by Digne and, and Dominic Calvert Lewin with a proper number nine goal. 
get above a tower and above his centre halves. Um, were we were we lucky to get away with one, regarding where the free kick was taken? Yeah, but it's one of them, isn't it? Let's move on. <laughs> nah, no, uh, you've got to be fair. Yeah, nah, nah, I'll be, I'll be pissed off if that was against us. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'll be throwing me bottle of beer at the, at the telly um, if that was against us, but it, it wasn't. So um, happy days. No, um, we got away with one, and we've had plenty go against us over the years. So I'm not going to be too thingy about it, but, but yeah, we're just. Just admit it and acknowledge it that we got a few yards on it. But at the end of the day, that ball that came in and that header, you know, them, fend- them defenders were, were, were truly beaten to that header by someone who wanted it more than them. Uh, and that's what it comes down to in my eyes. Um, you know, if it was against us, I'd be questioning, you know, our, our defending in that area, letting them get that, that much of a run. So obviously, I'd be annoyed if it was against us, but I'd also be questioning the defenders. Don't know about and you. The- no, listen, I'm absolutely delighted we got away with it. And I, no, listen, I've said for a while we need a bit of devil and a bit of snidiness, and it wasn't much. He's moved the ball a bit forward, but if that's rattled the opposition manager, great. You know, I'm not being a hypocrite. If that's against us, of course, I'm moaning. But I'd like to think that we would have got onto it and been shooting on to the play moving the ball forward. We absolutely. Wolves, didn't we? Yeah, and that was another point. That's another point I was going to make. Look, this was this wasn't a smash and grab, and I I would have a bit more sympathy if if it was an even game and and you know we nicked one and, and held on, but it, it it could have been and should have been two or three nil. And like you said, you know this wasn't a free kick on the edge of the area that we'd move forward. It's not as if the free kick taker scored the goal. He's he's out by the touchline. You know he's miles out, and the ball's come in. The defenders have had a long time to see the ball coming. They knew what was coming. A cross was coming into the box. You know, there were no shocks there. So I've got absolutely no sympathy for Tottenham at all. Yet we got away with one, but um, delighted. And, and, and long may that continue. Let, let's hope that we do have that little bit of devil snidiness. And not even snidiness, I suppose, but just being a bit cute that if we can gain any advantage, do it. At the end of the day, they, they, one of their players broke one of our players' legs last year, and then the same player was went on and scored a load, load of goals in the in yeah. Europe for them and in the Premier League. So um, I'm not going to feel too sorry for them. I think Tottenham fans, what I've seen online as well, I've not seen much, but they know themselves that they they, they were well and truly beaten. Do you know what I mean? They weren't good enough. Uh, we we were the better team. Um, I so think I, I, I think, think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it, Andy. I think you know, obviously. It doesn't right or wrong, but if you, as a football fan, it's time neutral. If you put it in the context of the game, Everton were head and shoulders above Tottenham. They really were. They, they bossed the game from start to finish. Um, you look at the chances, and it was pretty much one-sided. Pickford did have to make a couple of good saves, important saves, and he did. But on the balance of play and the quality of the free kick that that came in, um. I, to be honest, given how good that ball was, had it been a few yards back, I still think he would have found Dominic Calvert Living. Obviously, there's no certainty, but I, th- I think Everton, the way we played, we were always going to win that game. So, Andy, who is your man of the match for this one? Um, I'd say I'd go with Alan. I think it was a correct call. I think, as I said before, I think he started a little bit, a little bit slow, a little bit nervous. 
but only for a brief moment of the game, and then he grew into it so well, and he just dominated. Uh, but there's there's a few contenders to be honest with you. There's a few contenders, but I, I'd say Alan was right. Yeah, I I think you could have picked any outfield player, and you would have had a case. I, I really did think we were that good on the day. Um, I've gone with Hammers. Um, you touched on it earlier. You know the way. He, He's so comfortable on the ball. Um, he looked like he had all the time in the world on the ball, and and he makes he makes switch and play look so easy. And time after time, again, not even sprinting at the opposition, but just carving out chances with his vision. Um, look, I think you know, I think Spurs, admittedly, I think they gave him a bit too much space, and I think there is merit to what Mourinho said about the lack of pressing, but. I think nothing away from Hammers. He was superb. He was unlucky not to get a goal. And I think we talked about match sharpness. There was a chance in the second half where Calvert Lewin squares it to Hammers and he should be at the target and he, and he skewed it wide. I think that's an example of a, a lack of match sharpness. And he's a threat. No, he's a threat. And I do think that we've got a world class player there. So given he played no friendlies and given his impact on the game, I think it did lift and elevate the rest of the team, as well as the core and Allen, but I think having someone on the pitch like Hammers gave us that edge, so yeah, I give him one of the match for me. I think Gomez looked, I mean, Gomez and the core we haven't even really touched on yet, but I thought Gomez looked like a, I'm not going to say a new player, but compared to the back end of last season when he was, you know, he was exploited for his lack of pace and lack of fitness, I thought he, I thought he looked really good, I thought you look like the footballer we knew he can be. Um, and with them players around him, that protection he had around him and Alan and Decore, I think he's going he's, he's gonna to do well this season. That's an excellent point, Andy. I think actually because of the new lads, there's a tendency when we talk about the midfield to talk about Decore and Alan and you almost forget Gomez because he's been at the club a while. But yeah, I, I agree. I think he did have a really good game. And I do think he's a one-pace player, but I, I think... That's not a criticism or um, or something to be concerned about because of the lads we've got next to him now. I mean, when we play four four two and you put Andre Gomez, Andre Gomez next to Tom Davis, being one paced is an issue. But when you've got him next to Allen and the Corey, the Corey tackle we actually haven't discussed the Corey tackle in that first half. That's whatever to be missing. Good as a goal. Yeah, it was and. I, at the time, I was screaming, saying, just sip him and take the card. And, you know, there he is, getting his foot on the ball. Brilliant tackle. And that's that was on Lucas Moira. You know, he's not the slowest player in the world, Lucas Moira. So, yeah, it, it was excellent all around. And, and you're right, I think hopefully we'll see a, a better player in Gomez with not just better players around him, but, but players around him who will complement his game. Yeah. You know, with, with, with Alan, he'll, I say he'll sit in, he doesn't sit in. He... He's like a you know honey badger. He's everywhere looking to get the ball and the Corey's box to box. So with the, with that energy around Gomez, yeah, I think that that is exciting, you know. Um, but yeah, you you could really you could give any of the lads um on Sunday a man of the match award and they'd be meriting it. And hopefully now you know this is the start of what's to come. Early days, I know, but but yeah, I. I we were fantastic against Tottenham. So we move on, Andy, to the midweek league cup game. We beat Salford City 3 0. Are you happy with how the game went? Yeah, it was a it was a little bit 
a little bit boring at times, but it was, um, you know, it was a, ended up being a, a comfortable 3 0 win. Um, you know, some of the the second choice players, if you like, um, got a game. I don't think that many of them really took the opportunity. I think there was a uh, some nice play at times. I thought there's a few standout performances. I thought um, Nkunku left back. I thought he was brilliant. Um, he looked he, he looked so composed in the ball for so you know for his first competitive debut with the club. Um, I thought there was a few good performances out there, but overall, I would have liked to see a little bit more considering the stature of the team we were playing against, not against them. But um, but yeah, what did you think? I thought it was a, a weird one. I said to you before we come on air then. I felt for a large part of the game we were we were sloppy and slow, and I think part of that was because the players that were out knew that they they had the better of the opposition, so they knew the level they had to play to. And I thought it was strange because with the new signings, I would have thought that there'd been a lot more of them chomping at the bit to to prove a point to the manager. And the reason I say it's strange is because while I'm saying all this and I'm being critical, we won three 0 and we had the woodwork. I lost count two or three times at least. So, you know, we could have won that game about 6-0, 7-0, and, and yet early on being critical. Um, I just don't think many of them took the chances. And You touched on it and Conku. Every, every podcast we've done when that lad's played, we're talking about him. And I know you can say, well, that's because we played Preston and Blackpool and Salford City, but I think Conku's got it, and I really do think... He, we don't we don't need to, to bother with, with looking at a back up left back. And I know he's only nineteen, but I thought he was probably Everton. If he wasn't the best, he was one of Everton's best players. He going forward, he, he's heavily contributing with play and players are looking for him because they know that he can do something. And at the back, okay, he hasn't been massively tested because of the level of competition. But at the back, he's held his own up to now and he doesn't look out of place. So, you know, 19, defensively sound, not afraid to get involved in the last third. Actually, he's one of Everton's most influential players in the last third when he plays. You, you touched on it um, the other week when we played Preston, how we made that run and it opened up the, the space um, for, for Richarlison. So I think he's someone that we're going to see a lot more of and, and definitely agree with yourself there that he probably was one of Everton's better players. I thought Anthony Gordon with brilliance again. Um, we had a discussion when Paul was on, uh, and, and Paul was of the opinion that we should loan him out. But I think that performance for me just underlines why he shouldn't be going out alone. Um, God knows how he never got on the score sheet. He thought he'd done everything but score. Hits the woodwork twice and won the penalty. Um, yeah, I, I, along with Nkonku, him and Nkonku and Gordon were Everton's best two players for me, or the brightest players. and. There's very few that really gave Ancelotti food for thought, but I think Anthony Gordon wanted them. Um, I don't think he gets in over the Charleston Hammers, but certainly if any of those two are, are having an off day or there's an injury suspension, then I think Gordon's assuming to, to come come on. Um, I think he's probably knocked Walcott and Awobi down the pecking order. I don't know about you, Andy, but for me now, in terms of the wide, the wide players... If if we are going to go four three three, then then Anthony Gordon is the the next one to come into the side. If Richarlison or Hammers are not in the team, would you say that's fair or? 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him in there. You know, if, if we were looking for the alternative winger to come in, um, he gives you that that raw energy that the other players don't give you. Um, you know, do, do, I forgot Walcott was playing the other night. Yeah, me too. During the game, I, I just he was just missing out of the game. And when you consider when you're playing against a League Two side, you think that would be the type of game that he would really be thinking I can make me mark here and, and you know push with a spot. Yeah, and that's the point I wanted to make. I, I was really annoyed with him because you know you could tell he was playing within himself. And for me, you're thinking, go on, lad, go and prove to the manager that you should be in contention to start at the next game. Okay, we all know or we're all probably of the opinion it should be Richarlison and Hammers out wide. But that's as a player you should be making it hard for, for your competition to, to get in the start lineup. And I don't know whether he played within himself because of the opposition or whether he's on the transfer list. But I was really disappointed in him. Um he didn't take the opportunity and there was a lot of them out there. That's why for me it was a weird game. Yeah. There was a lot of them out there who just didn't take the opportunity to not be disrespectful, disrespectful to Salford, but you know there was an opportunity to to really stamp, uh, put a mark on your opposition and your superiority, and, and show to the manager that you should be in contention. Yeah, I think um, I think Gordon in Conku, I think Bernard played well, also. Sigurdsson, to a fair degree, and uh, Keane as well. And Keane, Russell obviously got a, got on the score sheet as well. But I think since coming back from lockdown, the back end of last season and the start of the season, yeah, I think he's been brilliant, Michael Keane, and deserves a lot of applause because he's got a lot of criticism, and rightly so. And I've been one of them at times. But the lad needs praise as well when he's getting it right and he's putting in the the performances he is at the moment. So. No fair play to him for, for getting the Z down and getting his consistency yeah, back. Spot on, Andy, and I'll hold me on though. When we, whenever we talk about Michael Keane, I'm the first to say I'm not convinced that the Z is in this game. But yeah, you're right. He's been he's been solid and fair play to Keane as well. He wasn't blowing his own trumpet after the Tottenham game. The first thing he said was, "Avan Allen in the team makes life easier," and he. We talk about him being a confidence player and he's got his confidence and he's weighing in with a goal already and, and he's got a clean sheet. Well, two clean sheets, then, yeah, let's hope it continues. A bit like Pickford. And hopefully, if we do get a settled team, and, you know, obviously competition's healthy, but if you have a settled team and we all know more or less what our best eleven is, then that sort of, you know, not, not, the, not the massive changes we can we count and that, Settled side will hopefully breed confidence, and we, the, the lads will become more familiar with one another, and, and it will only, you know, spread the confidence in the team, and and those performances will continue. I wanted to ask you about the formation of four three three. I mean, we've discussed this and deliberated how we're going to set up before the new season started. There was a four five one, and then I think against Preston we saw four two three one. Um. Yeah, what four two three one? Yeah, there was a few different formations, and this time around against Salford, we saw four three three again, as predicted by Paul and Phil when they've been on the show. Now, now we saw Everton play four three three away at Tottenham at home to Salford. 
do you get the impression, Andy, that this is going to be the formation for the foreseeable? And if it is, sorry, I was, I was also going to ask, if it is, do you think that we should implement this from the under-23s down? What I mean by that is we start to implement a way of playing that when we have lads from the academy, reserves come into the team, they already know the way we're going to play because we've been playing that way for a while. A bit like the other shower across the park, you know, when they played the, the kids in the club or the, the weaker team, all the players played the same role that, that they played week in, week out at a lower level. So do you see this being Everton's formation for the foreseeable? And if it is, do you see Everton implementing it throughout the club from grassroots right the way through? I'll partly answer the second part first. I, I feel that we should, you know, I think all the clubs should, but, you know, especially us, we should be adopting whatever style that we choose to play and is our identity. I think we should be adapting it throughout. It'll make that, you know, we've got some brilliant lads coming through the, the set of and we have done for, for many years and some of them have not quite been given the opportunity or some haven't been, haven't been up to the standard. But I think that made that transition a lot easier when it's been ingrained in them, the identity and what's expected of them and the understanding they can learn the role when they've got the time to, you know, to be learning in the trade, pretty much. In terms of the 4-3-3, I didn't think we'd go with it because I thought with the personnel we had, it would more suit having a James Rodriguez in behind. You know, with, you look at it, you know, you've got a lack of pace compared to the likes of the Charleston. Um, but it seemed to really work. It seemed to have a lot of balance about it. We sort of went down the right and got our, our you know, our playmakers on the ball there. I but switched across to to our pace and our, you know, um, and our power, if you like, on the left. Um, so I thought it worked really well. It's just it'll be interesting to see if Hamez in the future moves into a more of a central role, and we look to get someone with, with more pace. And know they're still talking, you know, people like Zaha coming in or Leon Bailey coming in. So it could be that could be in the pipeline, but I I felt that it worked really well, and I'd love to see it adopt that that formation and keep it because you know if the attacking formation that's the way that we we should be playing the game and should be taking the you know the game by the scruff of the neck and, and taking it to our opponents home or away and believing that we can come away with three points. So I'd love for that to be our uh, formation rather than a four-five-one. Should we say? Yeah. Would you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Agree and. You said it um, in the last podcast that you would have loved Everton to have gone 4 3 3, but like me and Phil at the time, we felt that wouldn't happen. And, and we did go 4 3 3, we did take it to them. And I just feel as though, as a club, we're on the up. And already it looks as though we, we've got a four, I know it's early days, but it looks as though we've got a formation that that's settled and we look comfortable. And it could be the time to now implement that. Not just a formation, obviously, Ancelotti can, can evolve within a game and, and alter the way we play. Um, sorry, the way we set up anyway, but it could now be the time to implement a way of playing because you see Everton the last few years and we win the under-23s league and the cup and we don't really see those fruits of the labour, if you like, in terms of, yeah, we saw Anthony Gordon come through and he looks at talent, but we would like to have saw more given the, the success we've had on the 23 level. And I do think one of the issues has been the, the, the way we play, that it's not been consistent throughout the club. So, look, it's early days. We've we played two games, so 
don't want to get carried away, but we look so comfortable in that, and then it's so exciting that, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. If we can have that way of playing, whether it's the 4-3-3, and the way you're playing, not just the formation, we haven't really touched on the fact that there's a conscious effort to play out from the back. Um, a lot of fans are nervous when Martin has done it, but if you notice, Ancelotti's not adverse to it. You know, the centre-half stay in the area with the, with the change of the rules, and we are happy to come out from the back. And weirdly enough, it probably suits Everton not having the fans in the ground for that kind of football. You know, from the back with, with the park and the Gladys feet not being nervous. Don't get me wrong, the, the team obviously needs its fans, of course, the, the benefits outweigh the drawbacks. But just in terms of playing out from the back, it probably does help the, the players getting used to playing that way without the fans there. So, yeah, it, it's it's looking really good um, at the moment, early doors. Andy, for me, Moise Keane was really poor in this one. Um, I know he scored and, and he had the woodwork a couple of occasions, so fans listening in might say him being a bit too critical. But his goal was a penalty, and the two which hit the woodwork, he should have scored. My concern is that he's up against Salford City, and the centre backs got the better of him for me. We touched on it earlier about you know a lack of game time and your first touch not being what it was. He couldn't. They couldn't seem to hold the ball up and bring anyone into play. The ball was bouncing off him. Okay, you know, you might say, oh, he was isolated, but given the level of opposition he was up against, I just thought it was was poor. You know, I, I want to see more from him. And when you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin making the start he has to the season, once again, you want to see Moise Keane, who's clearly Evans' secondary striker, knocking the manager's door through performances, make it hard for him, go and take Salford to the cleaners, and he didn't do that. Um, Ancelotti today said in his press conference that he is part of his plan, so he is here for the foreseeable. And I really wanted to work out for the lab, but am I being too harsh, Andy, or should he should he have done more? Um, no, I, I didn't think he played he played well at all. Um, I thought he was, I wouldn't say he was lazy, but I felt that it was a, it seemed like a, it, it was a conscious, it wasn't a conscious effort to really, you know, put it on them. Uh, the ball was bouncing off him every time he came into his feet. Uh, he just didn't look on his game. He didn't look like he was, he wanted to, to really get the ball and drive at them and, and make things happen. He was happy just to, to be a bystander in the game, if you like, and let the game pass him by a little bit. Um, I, I, same with you. I really hope it, it works out because when he came, I was really excited. Um, and, and I do want it to work out for him, but I just can't see how he's going to push for it. You know, even coming off the bench to make an impact with his performances. You're right in in terms of playing Salford City. He needs to be looking at the manager at the end of the game and saying, yeah, that's what I can do. You know, I'm yeah. making sure that he, he's, he still is in them plans. Uh, you know, we don't see what goes on behind closed doors at Finch Farm, but in terms of on the pitch, he hasn't brought it so far. He's got the odd goal there in there. You know, that last start he, he had before this one, he, he got on the score sheet, but he was lucky really that Sigurdsson, in my opinion, gave him the pen, give him the nod, because I think Sigurdsson understood the game. Um, I, I felt it'd be good for the lad's confidence, so fair play to Sigurdsson for that one. But I think he was lucky in a sense to even get on the score sheet. Yeah, and... Um... You know, some fans listening might say, well, that's not his game, holding a ball or playing with his back to goal. And we know that. 
he's not that kind of player. He's not a target man. But you know, the bottom line is he's a striker, an Italian international playing against League Two opposition, and that that whether he's nineteen, twenty or not, you know, whilst he might be a kid, go and show your quality. Go and show why you're an Italian international striker. You know, and go and show why you should be in the team at the Dominic Alvarez and. You know, fans might think we're being a bit harsh, but at the end of the day, to play up front for Everton, you, you've got to be showing more than that. And I see the point. He did get his goal and he, he did it the woodwork a couple of times. But as I say, you know, for me, anyway, those chances should be the back of the net. But yeah, I mean, we, we touched on it a couple of positive performances. Um, you, you said it a couple of times there, Andy, about Guilty Sigurdsson, and he did show great professionalism in handling the penalties to Keane. Um, I'd be massively critical of him. And obviously, for me anyway, someone I'd want to see moved on. But I thought he played well against South. With, um, you know, I think Sky gave him one of the match. And, you know, although Maya was in Conquer with Andy Gordon, I could see why. He could have had a, he could have had a brace easily. And, you know, if he'd have took a penalty himself, I'm sure he would have converted. He set the goal up for Michael Keane. Um, yeah, I thought it was a professional performance, as you, as you would expect, but there, there wasn't enough of them for me. But Gilfie was one that, um, that, that I was impressed with on the night. Bernard as well, you said it yourself earlier, Andy, about Bernard playing well. I, I do think he'd done okay. Um, he was busy, and you, you, could, you, you got the impression that he wants to get on the ball and put himself back into contention for starting against West Brom. Now, for me, I, I don't think we've saw any performance from anyone to suggest that Carlo will deviate away from the team, which started against Tottenham. Would you agree with that, or do you think so, any of the players might be knocking on the door for the West Brom game? Where's what? I don't think he, he'd get in, but where's Holgate's fitness up to? He's well out. We're, we're talking. Is he? Yeah, two or three months. Oh, is he? Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bad one. Um, oh, that actually, yeah, whilst we're on that point, um, Brantwaite suffered an injury in this one. And I think I've asked you this every podcast, but we're now down to Michael Keane, Yenny Mina, and Lewis Gibson, three centre halves. If you don't include Gibson as a fair teamer, we've got two. Um, I don't know what the plans are for Gibson, but either way, we've only got three fifth centre-halves. Now, every week I, I am asking you this, and I think now we saw Luca Dean come on to, to, to play centre-half from the bench. I think I highlights that you know, we all need, we all need a centre-half. We all know we need a centre-half. And Ancelotti did say in today's press conference that he would like a centre-half. Um, the obvious target is the lad at Chelsea, Tamari. He is the main target. Now, Chelsea will not give Everton an answer on this loan deal. Everton have put their, their well, they've tried to put the deal in place. They want him on loan. Andy, for you, how long do you wait before we look elsewhere? Because what I'm thinking is Chelsea might be looking at that first game. I might be reading this all wrong, but Chelsea might look at that first game and think, early days, you know, do we want to loan a player out who could be a, a potential rival? Now, look, I know Chelsea are being muted as the nearest title contender to Liverpool and City, but this early on, you, you just don't know what kind of season Chelsea and Everton are going to have. And 
I don't know. Am I reading too much into it, or do you think Chelsea might just be an offensive team where then Everton might be a rival? I think it'll be what what's best for, for Chelsea and, and the player in terms of his development more, so than seeing us as rivals. Hopefully they don't and you know, we have a really good season. Um and we are and, and they do regret it. Uh, but I think that we, we should have been looking at another centre half anyway, uh, to bolster that that position. Uh, I think Keane cemented his position I'm a little bit closer about Holgate. I don't don't know how I didn't know about that, to be honest with you. But um I'm I'm just getting a, a worry and a fear that we're, we're going to end up with Fabian Dels at centre-half or something this season. Do you know what I mean? So I think we oh, need to... No. I know. It's a horrible thought, isn't it? And nothing against them, but you just don't want that situation. Um, yeah. So I think we need to be looking at this and, and, and be getting something over the line. Yeah, I, I do think Everton will get a centre-half in. Um, I say that based on the fact that the club have backed Ancelotti up to now and it's not often Ancelotti will come out and specifically say we need the centre half, even when the three the three lads were staying at the Titanic. Ancelotti was giving nothing away, but yeah, you know there he was today saying we need the centre half. I think it's common knowledge now. Um, it's just about who it'll be. I don't know an awful lot about Samari. I've heard a lot of good things about the time with Lampard at Derby County. Um, if Ancelotti wants him, as I always say, I hope he comes in, but. I just hope we don't get caught up waiting and waiting. I'm sure, sure the club won't. Um, wanted to just touch on the the Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal at Tottenham and Michael Keane's goal against Salford. Now, what again, early days, Andy, but what I'm taking from it is that we are continuing to work hard from set plays. Now, I know as an Evertonian, it might not feel like it, but if you're actually looking at Everton last season, uh, Everton were one of the, the highest for scoring from set plays. And you look again at the, the way we set up from the free kick and then Michael Keane's goal the other night against Salford. And if you couple that with how we set up defending set pieces, that if you remember the Tottenham game against um, the, the free kicks that were coming in against Tottenham, Everton were, were quite unusual in that they went deep in how they were trying to defend them. And, Whilst it did make me nervous, I look back at it now and go, well, you know what? We actually look like we're putting the hours in a Finch farm here. Mm. Not, not just scoring them, but when we're defending, whilst it might make you nervous as a fan because the players are pushing up, well, they're dropping back on the goalie, they actually look like they know what they're doing. Mm. Whether you agree with it or you, or you don't, it looks as though Everton are now finally putting the hours in in terms of set pieces. And not so much against Salford, but obviously with Tottenham and, and in games where, you know, Games were won and lost by a goal. That is literally the difference between winning and losing. Um, and I know it's early days, but I just thought to put that in there because already we are we are looking like those hours are coming off in terms of you know getting the the, the goals in from set pieces. Um, just staying on the League Cup, we've got Fleetwood Town next, and, and if we win that, then it's Hull City or West Ham at, at Goodison now. For me, I'd like to see us go a, a little stronger against Fleetwood. Can you can you see Ancelotti going with a similar lineup to what we saw against Salford next week? No, I think he made a calculated risk, if you like, against Salford. I think he will go a little bit stronger against Fleetwood. Um, yeah, I think we, we'll see a few of the 
the other lads coming into obviously you've got them just coming into the club and trying to find the match fitness and then we have Tottenham and then you go into a game Wednesday night so I'm sure tiredness might have played a part with a few of them but um, I think he knew the team he put out there was good enough to get a result but we'd have to be really careful in the next round if, if we approach the game the same way but I think he's going to know that you know what I mean? he's been around enough to to understand the risks of that um, and I'm sure he'll put a team at that's that's going to be able to get the win. Hope so, haven't you? I mean, with it being Joey Barton's fleet, fleet what you're fully expecting to turn up. And you look not just at our draw, but when you look at Premier League teams drawing each other out in the next couple of rounds with this fixture congestion, a lot of teams over in Europe uh, really not going to prioritise this. And it's such a great opportunity for Silverway. I'd be saying that regardless of the draw, but the fact that the next couple of games are winnable. I just hope that you know we, we, we do get the lineup right. I mean, this this question's hard because we haven't played West Brom yet. But just looking ahead to Fleetwood next week, can I get a prediction? Well, for tomorrow's game. No, Fleetwood. Sorry, Fleetwood. Uh, Fleetwood. Uh, I'm going to go with another three now. That'll do. I'll go two one. I think it'll be it'll be an awkward one. I don't think Barton Fleetwood will. will will go down without a fight, you know, what he's like. And if a team reflects the manager, it could be a bit of a couple hole there. So hopefully, uh, yeah, for me, a stronger line-up. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So Everton, West Brom, next up. Um, are you confident about this one? Yeah, I think uh, I didn't... Uh, i only seen the highlight of their game last week and I know they had a quite an OK first half and then second half went a bit south forward and they got beat 3-0. Um, I, I'm I'm quite confident about it, but I've still got that little bit of a doubt there. You know, they can be a, they can be a, de- a decent little side on the on the game. Do you know what I mean? And we have to make sure that that we take it to them. But I fancy us at home. I know there's no crowd. We've got that crowd advantage, but you've got to fancy us, haven't you? Uh, on yeah. paper, considering yeah. what we've seen last week. You know, how do you see us? How do you see us setting up? I think they're the same again. Yeah. Obviously, but with Holgate in there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I think it's pretty much the same again. Um, I don't think there's any reason to change it. The, the majority of the players have had a decent rest this week. Uh, while the others have, you know, got, you know, Michael Keane's played as well, and if, you know, Lucas Digne came on and stuff. But I think the same team again, and just get at them and and control the game and start letting teams know you're not going to come to Goodison Park and walk off the pitch not knowing that that you've been in the game. Gonna make sure you sent it off so walking off going, I don't want to come back here again. Totally agree. And I expect and I hope that we'll see an Everton side that not only controls the game but gets at them and gives West Brom a real hard 90 minutes uh, to the point where they want to get off the pitch. And fans might laugh what I'm gonna say now because it's our second game of the season. But look, this is a, this is a chance to go top of the league because we are the early kickoff. <laughs> I want Evan to go out there and really try and make a statement. Go and win. First and foremost, go and win the game. You know, uh, without being a cliche, every Premier League game is difficult. But if you can go out there and take control, get an early goal and, and, and put a few past them, um, yeah, go top of the league and, and, and try, put, put it to them, try and stay. Not, you know, first position should always be Everton's aim, but, you know, the reality is just try and stay at the top end of the table for as long as you can this season, regardless of how early it is. Because I tell you what, if it was Liverpool or City early kick-off, they'd be saying the same, let's go top of the league and stay there. So, 
whilst we are so early on, I do mean what I say. There's a chance to go top. Go, go and hammer them. Go, come on. We've just had a good win against Sutton. Go out there. And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not saying this is an easy game. I know there's no easy games. But given what they've shown against Sutton, this could be an opportunity. And I am I'm, I'm really confident. Um, hopefully it doesn't backfire. But, but yeah, I'm really confident that um, you know we'll see a good showing against West Brom. I'll be on uh, I'll be on the Moretti's at three o'clock come come tomorrow for top it. of the league. Top of the league. <laughs> so what's your prediction for this one then? I'm gonna go four one Everton. I think they'll get uh, a goal. I think they'll get a goal. I'm gonna go for a three goal margin, but I'm gonna I'm gonna Roots for Pickford and Keane in particular keep the, the clean sheet momentum and say we'll win the game 3 0. I, I suppose the other thing, and I know it's early doors, but the good thing is that we're excited just to see Everton play again because of what we saw last week. And let's hope that continues. It, you know, I know everything I've just said, it, it is an our game. And, and look, after everything that I have been saying, if you offered me 1 0 now, I'd take it because it's all about the three points. But yeah, yeah, let's just. Let's get out there and let's get at them. And yeah, same Fleetwood next week. Different competition, but but the same emphasis of there's an opportunity now to really push on, uh, not just at league level, but, but let's go and get some silverware. So let's hope when we play Fleetwood after this, that it's the same mentality. Get out there, put them to bed, and then we've got another winnable game at home. And hopefully, um, the 1995 drought will will be ended shortly. So that's it for this week's episode of Talk and Toppies. Let's hope we do continue our winning ways and we haven't just jinxed it by beating West Brom and then we do go top of the league and let's stay there. Even if it is for a couple of hours. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Up the Toppies. <laughs>